Geek Top 5, Season 5. I'm so happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> this is so exciting. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And we are back to talking about one of our favorite things. It's a Star Wars episode. Hoorah. Yeah. You've already seen the title. Today we are talking about Disney Plus's Book of Boba Fett, um, a show that was filmed and released on Disney Plus in the style of Marvel's Photon, uh, which came out ways back. Oh, no, right. Sorry. They called that one WandaVision because Photon wasn't the star of the show, and nor did she have any agency. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. You really went out on a limb wow. for that one. Uh, we're all shaking here on the edge of that limb that you precariously bounced us on. I don't know. I don't know if the word limb is working here, but uh, obviously we've got, uh, you know, it's okay, folks. Most of the time, Graham's comebacks are pretty wizard. <laughs> wizard. Uh, what is it? Dank Fennec. Yeah, I'm a fan. <laughs> All right. Well, obviously, Graham and I have slightly different, well, maybe not as different as you think, but let's get into it. Um, the key thing to take away before we get started is that since Graham and I are just going to end up knifing each other in an alley over this, we decided to bring in a cooler head to sort of mediate. Uh, Graham, what do we got from the, the bag of Geek Top 5 super specialists today? Yes, returning is our go-to Star Wars expert and occasional Star Trek expert. It's uh, our everyone's favorite Joel, Joel Colesbury. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about uh, this because, well, I'm going to just jump out. I very much enjoyed it. So I'm going to be very much in the pro camp as we talk. <laughs> I think this may surprise folks. I actually enjoyed a lot of it, too. Oh. I I I liked it quite a bit. I, I didn't have I don't have the strongest feelings about this uh, current run of the fa- franchise. Like uh, I, I'm not a huge Mandalorian and uh, fan in the the TV show era, but I, I enjoyed this for what it was. So so those are our opening shots. But I feel like Jesse has some more reservations than than the rest of us. Uh, I think we're going to handle this the way we've been handling our TV show reviews, where we go episode by episode to begin with. And uh, I'll do a little brief recap of the episode and and we'll we'll get into it. Does that work for everyone? Yeah, take it away. All right. Episode one, chapter one, Stranger in a Strange Land, directed by um, fantastic B-movie director Robert Rodriguez and written by John Favreau. It was released on December 29th, 2021. An excellent way to end the year. Uh, This show in the first few episodes involve a dual narrative where we get flashbacks to how Boba Fett escaped from the Sarlacc pit we last last saw him in in Return of the Jedi and how he ended up uh, becoming a cool guy running Jabba's palace uh, so he gets spat out of the Sarlacc pit or he, no he fights his way out of the Sarlacc pit he passes out he's stripped virtually naked by Jawas and then is captured by some Tuscans who are uh, who who keep him as a prisoner? Tuscan Raiders, the Sand People from A New Hope, and the various other uh, movies. Meanwhile, in the present, we see Boba and uh, his right hand woman, Fennec Shand, hanging out in Jabba's palace, deciding what it's going to be like for them to be running this criminal empire. They get some. They get this robot voiced by Matt Berry, who helps them out. They get uh, two leftover Gamorrean guards. Um, they 
meet this cool Twi'lek lady who runs a cantina and is also into some shady stuff. And uh, every once in a while, Boba has to go flashback to his whole life and is back to tank. That's the majority of what happens in the first episode. Did I miss anything? Uh, nothing major. I mean, the key is the is the two time periods, the the flashback of what happened immediately after and then getting captured by Tuscans and the current day of trying to make himself a presence on Tatooine and failing miserably. Well, failing miserably seems like a really <laughs> strong word. I he, he was uh, he, he, I thought it was pretty tactical about the whole thing. Well, tactical, I mean, he does end up surrounded by guys with laser shields. And, okay, hold on. Before we get into this, let me lay this out. This episode, not my favorite episode of the show, which is a shame, um, because you always want to start off strong. And I don't think this was the best foot, but I, I finished it and I went, you know what? I'll watch more and give it a chance. But I think what we're looking at here, we're going to see this for a lot, is some serious Dark Knight Rises syndrome. You know, we're after the Dark Knight, which was the perfect Batman movie and arguably just, you know, one of the best superhero movies. Do I want to say just movies in general ever made? It's like, what could they possibly do in the Dark Knight Rises to match it? I think this show is going to suffer a lot following on the heels of The Mandalorian, which is so good. And so popular with everybody except for Graham, who likes it, but not that much. <laughs> no, I I, I I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But yeah, I, so that, I really enjoyed it. I don't know. I had trouble getting into it. I think what was hitting me is the last time we saw Boba Fett was in season two of Mandalorian when he wipes the floor with a bunch of stormtroopers. Uh, he's, you know, the knee rockets are going off. He's jetpacking around lasers everywhere. Like it's great. Uh, in this one, I mean, the flashback, fine. Curious to see where that goes, but modern day Boba just walks into Mos Espa and says like, I'm, I'm the boss now. Hi, good to meet you. And people don't seem to care. And then a bunch of guys try to kill him and they knock him down and they keep beating him down. And then Fennec goes, and chases some and has a cool chase scene and stuff. And I was watching it kind of going like, well, it's not the book of Fennec Shand. <laughs> yeah, she does get a chance to be very cool in this in a way that uh, Boba doesn't get much opportunity to, uh, especially in this first episode. And and I, I got to say, the moment when they're surrounded by the guys with the energy shields and he fires the rocket or whatever it was, or he th- I, I, it's right at the shields. I was like. I couldn't help but be like, why would you do that? Like that, you know, that's going to hurt you more than them. Yeah. And it's like, this is Boba Fett. I mean, ignoring all the stuff from the EU to be considerate, we've still seen him be a, he is a badass in canon. We know that. So what is he doing? He's, well, he's just, he's making mistakes and sitting in, okay, they get away with it, I guess, because he's still injured question mark and it still has to go back to his back to tank but yeah the to introduce this character to his own show and basically have him get knocked around by a bunch of thugs and then have to get saved by his gal friday his gal fennec i guess i don't know that was a great start and we will talk more about that in further episodes but i think that trend of fennec having all the ideas and doing all the action and having all the agency is a a major blow that doesn't necessarily make it a bad show because it was great to watch her, but it it does sort of question like, why would you make the show about Boba Fett then and not just make the show about her? That's or make good. it like 
Boba and Fennec, like put both of them in the title. The Book of Boba Fennec. Yeah. <laughs> I do see what you're saying there. I mean, and, and, and 100%, I, I mean, I love uh, Ming-Na Wen. And um, like, I, I, I really enjoyed Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And uh, I really liked your role in that. So I was, I'm, I'm just glad, you know, when you see an actor you like doing well for themselves, getting into Star Wars, that's always a good career move. Um, but see, I, I don't know. The way that I looked at this whole series wasn't, because of the way that they introduced it as such a backdoor thing at surprise, like I had no idea that it was being planned until we saw the the end of the after scene in um, at the end of the, um, uh, Mandalorian. the Mandalorian. Thank you. Yeah, and <clears throat> so I didn't think of it necessarily as to to be the same sort of thing that the other series are going to be like with uh, like the upcoming Obi Wan or the. Um, or, or the Mandalorian, it kind of was like icing to me, like sort of this little, like the 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 toy that comes with with the with the cereal, or or just sort of like a little bonus. Um, and it just, I felt like there was so much world building in it, and that's what I really liked. And 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 I thought it was, I thought it was a really strong first episode. Well, I'm on one side, Joel's on the other, Graham. I, I, <laughs> it was uh, fine. You know, I didn't have, I, I, I went into this with like zero expectations. I, mm. I don't have, uh, you know, I like the Mandalorian and I've enjoyed it. I, I, I especially like the second season more than the first season. Um, but yeah, I, I just went in trying to, I, knowing that whatever it was, I would take it for what it was. I tried not to have, these strong expectations for what it was going to be. Um, That's good. So you have plenty of material for this podcast that everyone's tuning into to listen to your opinion. <laughs> I have opinions about the show. I just didn't have any going into it, right? Like I didn't watch it with an expectation of what it was going to be. I had no idea. I was like, well, so this is going to be Boba Fett becoming a gangster. And I don't know. Let's see how that plays out. Uh, I, I feel like there, in, in looking at stuff on the internet, there was a lot of expectation that you know Boba would be very silent, and and uh, th- I think the character of Boba Fett has a lot of preconceived notions around it. In the original trilogy, he doesn't actually do that much, and that's something that Jesse is very fond of bringing up in previous conversations about people thinking Boba Fett is a cool character. It's like in that original trilogy, he kind of just stands around and then he gets eaten by a sarlacc. And so, and I was a big Boba Fett fan. I liked the outfit. I liked how he looked, but I knew that anything that was in the novels or the comic books didn't count anymore. So I was trying to just be like, this is guy is essentially a blank slate. We saw him as a little boy. We saw him get eaten. And then we saw him show up in the Mandalorian. Anything could happen. So I, that's where I was coming from. I think I was coming from the same place, but I just, I, I didn't like everything. I mean, I wish more things happened to him or were caused by him. It was all, but they did really again. rebrand him in that hero type light that, uh, yeah, they do. Um, don't they? That in, and, and that was very star Wars to me, that, that same style of the hero that is born out of, a need and goes through this transition and has a nemesis. Like it is very star Wars in that sense. 
and um uh, and and it really was that journey that that hero's journey and and, and I got that right from the first episode which I, I and I I similar to what you said Graham I I didn't have expectations going into it and I think that that made things that made me enjoy it more because I I I didn't have any expectations same with Mandalorian right like we had been so I don't want to know traumatized <laughs> by a lot of modern Star Wars and <laughs> Then to finally see something come out and it's and 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 it's so good and it doesn't have to do with Jedi. It's because I was one of right. those people who who would have said that I didn't think that there was a lot in Star Wars if you took out the the Jedi, the laser swords and the TIE fighters and the X Wings, what would you be left with? But there really is a lot more. And the Star Wars that I really have ended up liking is everything that isn't the 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 movies with the exception of course you know the original trilogy that started it all right yeah i guess we'll get into that sort of that side of things a bit later but why don't we jump to episode two it's uh it's called chapter two the tribes of tatooine it was directed by steph green written by john favreau and came out on january 5th so uh the the guy that they captured at the end of the last episode, Fennec captured really, is being interrogated by uh by the our two heroes, Boba Fett and Fennec Shan, and he reveals this assassin reveals that he was hired by the mayor of Mos Espa, which is a nearby town. So they go to figure out what's up. The uh mayor says that, oh, that wasn't me, but you know, watch your back. There's other people coming for Jabba's throne. And uh, you got to be careful. And those other people coming are quickly revealed to be Jabba's cousins, the uh, Hut twins, um, who are pretty cool. And they've brought a Wookiee bounty hunter named Black Chrysanthemum. Uh, but Boba Fett isn't intimidated. Uh, he goes to hang out in his back to tank again. He remembers all his good times with the Tuscans. He seems to have a serious case of uh, Stockholm Syndrome where he's really bonded with his captors and learns all of their ways. And uh, they get attacked by these like people firing pot shots at them from a train. So Boba Fett goes and steals some speeder bikes from a gang and they go and uh, take down the, the train and Boba Fett's like, Hey, this is Tuscan Raider territory. Now you don't uh, screw around with, with these guys anymore. And then a lizard goes up Boba Fett's nose and he uh, has a, a dream and he makes his own uh, Tusken Raider stick. Gaffy and stick. He's, gaffy stick. I know. I was just trying to put it in terms for, for our... Because they never say that in the episode, do they? Anyway, it doesn't matter. He, they, he effectively becomes a member of the tribe. They put him in, a, in Tusken Raider clothes and, and he's their new right-hand man. He's their new best bud. There you go. Chapter two. Loved this episode. So much in this episode was so cool, and there were parts of it that I wish they kept using later on. I loved the twins, the yes. the creepy huts sort of crawling around each other, curled around each other. Like, like, they're, like they're referring to each other as brother and sister, but it's like, is, is that even a thing for huts? Is this like a Jamie and Cersei situation? <laughs> Everything about it was unsettling and cool and such cool villains that we almost never see again. Mm, yes, S- yeah. Such a disappointment. Um, I loved all the flashback stuff, it, like slowly coming around to the Tuscans. A little Stockholm syndrome-y, but he, he proves himself. And it and it works out like it. 
I, I just I was really into that whole thing. And then the the parallel of having him go on like a vision quest to make the gaffy stick compared to like how we're so used to seeing Jedi Knights go on these weird spiritual journeys to make their lightsabers was so well done. I just I love so much from this episode. That was a really interesting parallel between the the that that mystical journey of the Tuscans and giving them that um, <clears throat> depth that it, as opposed to just being these raiders and giving in giving that them that background and that depth as having a culture and a society. And but I really I, I and I found myself changing my opinion about them and and then even when I think back to say episode two. Um, I didn't, I wasn't bothered by Anakin's actions because they were Tusken Raiders. Um, but then I'm thinking back to that now, uh, with this new concept and it kind of, it's kind of given them that depth. It's that it's built that world a little more, which is, uh, you know, something that we're seeing a lot more of in this modern Star Wars with the new people at the helm. Makes Anakin even more of a villain in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Like I felt, I, I feel like, and I don't think that they were trying to underplay it at the time, but I feel like I, I, I got what George was trying to get us to feel at the time. Now, twenty years later. Now, I will contrast that to the current day stuff, which is, I mean, they're establishing this cool crime conspiracy, and again, love the huts, but there's also the. Like, if you look at the plot point specifically, Boba Fett spends this episode walking back and forth through the city, and every other character in the show tells him he's wrong and he should be doing something else. And he goes along with it. Uh, he goes to the mayor, you tried to have people assassinate me. And he's like, oh, yeah, are you sure it was me? And he goes back goes back to the, what is it, the sanctuary, and Fennec tells him what to do. It just... Again, I felt like there was a lot of the show happening around Boba Fett, which I found a little bit frustrating because why like, Why would he just be taking that lying down? See, that's, I didn't look at it like that. I looked at that, at, at that as him, he's playing them. Like, he's not tipping his hand. He's <clears throat> letting people think that he's that he's learning that he doesn't know what he's doing but sort of the whole idea of him learning about like that transition from the lone bounty hunter to essentially the leader of a community um he's sort of already done that but people but it's sort of presented like he's learning it at the time and i think that that threw off the bad guys because they underestimated him ultimately and and I do think he is learning because this is he he had been on his own for so long and presumably I'm filling in a lot of blanks here. But anytime we'd seen him previously, he was a lone gunman, right? He's by himself. It, that ship that he flew around in that doesn't have a name anymore had uh, just like room for one person and some cargo. He's he's a lone wolf. And now he with after his time with the Tuscans, he realizes he does want a community. He does want people to protect and people to be with and, and serve and so i think he is sort of finding his footing uh, on the go here yeah and i and you know what i agree with that i think that's what was indicated during his vision quest and sometimes in the back to tank he keeps flashing back to camino 
And we see the kid who played him in Attack of the Clones, and he's like, he's watching his dad fly away in the ship. Like, I think what we're supposed to get is that he's looking for a place to belong. And I think that's supposed to come from the Tuscans a bit, but I'm really unhappy with how it was handled. We'll get into that in the next episode. But yeah, that I think you were right. That's what's there. But I didn't feel it, at least not this early in the show. Mm. It just felt like, I mean, the, it seemed like the point of those was to say, let's further the conspiracy. But it was all happening around Boba Fett. You know what it felt like? It felt like being in a video game with a silent protagonist. Hmm. Like an old style Bioware RPG or something, sure. Yeah, and like, and the you know the secondary character would be like, okay, boss, who's definitely in charge. I think we should probably do this and this and this and this. <laughs> and then you click either okay or what do you mean, right? Yeah, okay, that's the fair fe- enough. <laughs> that's the feeling I got from it. Uh, and now I can see what you're saying. Maybe that was just him playing it cool, but I, they, they could have established that by like having him say something to Fennec afterwards or something, and they didn't. And that is, I don't know. It, I felt like he was lacking. Okay, I want to talk about some of the expanded universe stuff that's happening here. The Pike Gang. They are they from the cartoons? Uh, the Pike Syndicate, I think, are established in the, the species, at least, are established in the EU. And then they're major criminal organizations in the in Clone Wars and in Rebels. And they Solo. I, yeah, in Solo. That's what I was looking for. They were they were in charge of the mines of Kessel. That was their operation. Was yeah, the yeah, Solo. yeah. Okay. And then you got uh, Black Chrysanthemum, who, uh, as far as I know, first appeared in the comic books. And I, it's been a while since I read the the early days of the Marvel comics, but I remember when that character showed up. I thought he was really cool, and I believe there's an annual issue where it's like the whole thing is a middle aged Obi Wan on Tatooine fighting Black Chrysanthemum. And yes. so when he showed up in this, I was I was very excited. He's he's. Uh, nice addition to to the star wars universe yeah. he's this gigantic all black wookie yeah he comes from that run from darth vader that spawns the, Doctor say the darth vader comics. one right yeah right yeah it's where essentially they have like the dark version of our star wars cast like vader plays sort of a reverse luke role and dr afra is the evil han you have an evil 3po and r2 in bt and triple zero and black chrysanthemum is the evil chewbacca he's He's what if Chewbacca wasn't nice, right? Still with all that strength and the arms pulling off, but this guy's a maniac. Okay. And then the last bit of EU stuff that I I saw in this, and it's not even really EU stuff, but I I was watching with uh, uh, subtitles on like the, the closed captioning and in the, the the place that Boba Fett goes and finds the gang and steals their speeder bikes. He he saves this couple who are going to be roughed up by the gang and, the the woman who he rescues, uh, her name is Cammy. So I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, that that's Luke's buddies from a deleted scene in uh, in in A New Hope, and yes. I think that's supposed to be Tashi Station. It is. Yeah, I've heard that as well. And it, to the to the point where it it is exactly like the set is the same. They rebuilt the set. That's the same windows. It's the same um, from the deleted scene. game that they're playing. They have the same. Um, 70s hairstyles, <laughs> but yes, no, I, I I really like that, and I, and I, again, it's into that world building that I felt from this. Like it really kind of still loved all of the the world building that happened in all throughout the the series. 
yeah, yeah. and it's it's these kind of references are are uh, the perfect touch for me because it's not something like like you can enjoy that scene perfectly without knowing any of that you get everything you need to out of it and if you see it as cami and you see it as tashi station those are nice little winks and they don't disrupt the scene they're not something that someone who isn't a fan of star wars is gonna like be missing out on crucial information if they don't know that you get everything you need but it's a nice little touch for the fans if you catch it okay Episode 3, Chapter 3, The Streets of Mos Espa, directed by Robert Rodriguez, written by John Favreau. It came out on January 12th. So uh, character actor Stephen Root comes to Boba Fett and says that he, he's a watermonger and this uh, youthful gang of cyborgs are stealing his water. And he wants Boba Fett to, to handle it because no one respects Boba Fett yet and this is a chance for him to do it. And he is like, OK, we'll go deal with that. Uh, he he finds the gang and they say that the reason they're doing it is because they don't have any jobs. There's nothing for them to do. And so he's like, all right, you're my gang now. And uh, he pays off the watermonger at far less than what the watermonger wanted to pay. Turns out the watermonger was the villain of the whole piece after all. And he reluctantly accepts the deal, uh, but he's not thrilled about it. Um, Boba Fett goes to have more memories about Tuscans, uh, but is interrupted in his back to tank by Black Crescenton yanking him out and starting to fight him. He's saved by the gang and his uh, Gomorian guards. There's a big fight, and eventually they, they do s- stop him. He falls. They trap him in the uh, Rancor pit. Um, the twin huts show up again and apologize for sending Crescenton, and uh, they say, hey, you can keep him or do whatever you want with him. Here's a Rancor so that there's peace between us. Uh, we're getting out of here. This planet isn't worth all this trouble. Uh, then they uh, go to talk to the mayor. It turns out the mayor has been double crossing people and lying to them. So they go to track down the mayor. Uh, the mayor's nowhere to be found. The mayor's assistant tries to run away because he knows trouble's coming. And they stop him and says that the that he reveals that the mayor was working for the Pike Syndicate. And uh, then at the end of the episode, you see a bunch of Pike Syndicate gangsters coming out of the 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 train or you know the space shuttle uh coming into mos espa so i feel like you guys are gonna jump on me for this one (laughs) so (laughs) let me know if i'm the only one but there was a lot in this episode i didn't like is that just me are you guys perfectly like I guess the one other thing I'll say is that the, the a detail I missed is um, in Boba Fett's flashback, we see that the uh, the Tuscan Raiders had all been killed, most likely by that uh, gang of. Yeah, so let's bandits. let's start there. So okay. we spend a lot of time with those Tuscan Raiders, and then they all get fridged. And I got to tell you, I mean, and I know from watching the rest of the show that I can confirm that there is next to no payoff for that. And I loved all that Tuscan Raider stuff. I thought it was great. I really wish it had contributed more to the series. Uh, he barely deals with revenge for them, nor does there seem like there's any major development based on his time with them. I, I feel like if you rewatched this, if you showed this show to someone who hadn't seen it and you skip the Tuscan Raider flashbacks, they'd have no idea something was missing from the show. That's that's fair. I can't argue that. I, I honestly 
didn't have those feelings about the Tuscan Raider stuff. I was not that interested in it. I wanted to get back to the gang wars and Moss Espa and Black Chrysanthemum. So I was kind of happy to be done with the Tuscan Raider flashbacks. So we are definitely coming at it from different angles there. I will say that I found it. I didn't mind anything that really bothered me, but I did find, I do find myself getting sometimes confused and forgetting where, where we are like what time we're in. Um, and I have to keep reminding myself of where we are in my head and being like, okay, so this is after Clone Wars, but it's before this, but not during this. So I do, I the back and forths, I, I did kind of get a little bit confused with that. And, and I did start to feel it in this episode. Well, what, what I had trouble with as far as timelines go is that he, I think, is supposed to have spent years with the Tuscans and I don't didn't get that impression from the flashbacks. Well, a Coruscant year or a Tatooine year? <laughs> yeah, ah, sorry, I don't know. We, like, <laughs> the only compass we have for when this takes place is when it overlaps with the Mandalorian. And we still don't have a 100% clear idea of where that's taking place. We know it's after Endor. It's after Return of the Jedi. It's after Darth Vader and Palpatine. But it's much closer to that than it is to Kylo Ren and Rey and the First Order. But is it immediately after the Battle of Endor? Or like, like when he crawls out of the Sarlacc pit, has he been in there for a day? Has he been in there for a week? Has he been in there for a month? We don't See, really I always, know. I, I got the feeling that that was relatively recent and um, like, because you could still see some aftermath. Like when he gets out, you can see the little um, tentacle hanging on, or just sort of lying there on the side of, Mm. of, of the thing, which could be the tentacle that Han shot. So I feel like that was around like maybe what was going on in the movie and all that was sort of happening concurrently. They're all off pew pewing away and um, Boba Fett's sort of busting his way out uh, around that. That's that was how I decided to go with it. Yeah. Because regardless, right, it, though, that doesn't help you narrow down like how long he spent with the Tuscans, then how like how long until he goes to meet Mando, and how long like we don't know exactly how much is there. And I'm with you, Grim. I'm not sure how much time passes in these flashbacks. It's hard to say. Yeah, it also doesn't matter. Because yeah, true. All, all those Tuscans die, and he just flees. And nothing else. And he's still a guy without his armor wandering around in the desert. If the first two episodes hadn't happened and we started the series there, the character arc would be exactly the same. Th- that bugs me. Um, next, then, as, and I know this is a big one on the internet, we got to talk about Angel Grove. <laughs> You're like, going to have to explain that one. The... So if I told you that the plot of this episode was that Boba Fett teams up with like a swoop bike gang, we know about swoop bikes. We've been mentioned in Solo and they're all over the EU. They're, they're, They're the bikers of the Star Wars universe. I don't think anyone was picturing these plucky teenagers. Okay. With their gorgeous, like, maintained by the guys from Greece, bright, shiny, like, mobility scooters. Vespas. Yeah, look look (laughs) a lot like Vespas. And even the character design, like, even if you told me there were cyborgs, like, sure, okay. But, like, that girl, if she walked into the library at Buffy Summers High School, you wouldn't bat an eye. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I gotta tell you, this that that really turned the show off for me because I was all of us. I was into it. I was what's happening, and then it was what the hell? Like, why is this guest starring the Planeteers? <laughs> yeah. uh, and just but to be clear, Angel concept. And yes, Angel he, Grove is where the Power Rangers are from, and the the colloquialism on like the internet's reaction to this was that he recruits the kids from the 2017 Power Rangers movie, the Breakfast Clubish one, because that's exactly what they look like. Except every once in a while, like that one guy has a stupid monocle, and the girl has a robot arm. So I I know that the internet there was a big backlash to it on the internet. I wasn't sure that Jesse was so uh, you know angry about it too, but uh, it really didn't bother me that the I for one thing, you know, if we're going from a George Lucas is the creator of this universe perspective, he loves that fifties hot rodding stuff. His his second movie is American Graffiti, and it's all about that stuff. So I just took it as like a nod to that and youth culture being what it is people dressing fancy and whatever uh, it was just it felt like a neat stylistic touch and it w- stood out on tatooine but it would have looked totally fine on coruscant right so yeah, it's but they're not like, on coruscant <laughs> yeah but there's always in the like backwaters people who are trying to be look and dress like, like the cool people they see on tv from the big towns but is that technically possible i mean it's tatooine everything is filthy and falling apart except for these vespas that are gleaming like and it's not it's not it, just a, it's not just a question of fashion choice like it didn't look like they belonged there it was like a, like it was like a crossover episode with something and they came out of a stargate now my one issue with them was that i felt they could have gone faster when they were riding Yes. Oh, God. The slow chase ever recorded for television. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I thought there could be a little more banking when they turned. Like, they kind of had this very stilted, like, they were clearly on wheels being rolled along. And I was like, what is this, 1977? But again, maybe that's what they were going for. Um, That was my only complaint with them. Otherwise, you know, I thought they were a great addition. (laughs) He needed (laughs) a little gay. It's showing how he's improving. By giving um, giving the youth of Mos Espa something better to do with their time than you know ha- trying to well again run I'm not water. against the plot I'm not against him recruiting the youth I'm not like him in charge of a gang absolutely but like make the the gang like you know a, a bunch of dirtied up Bith or something not these like gorgeous teenagers and their denim jackets and their studded leggings. Like it just, it looked so silly to me. I couldn't, I can't think of what the reverse would be. It would be like seeing somebody, you know, like a filthy, dirty moisture farmer on the bridge of the enterprise D. I just have to say that ever since you, uh, Joel meant compared them to the, uh, fancy bicycle or, or motorcycles of Italy. I just want to call the town Moss Vespa. Oh, <sighs> nice. Yeah. That's, yeah, I, I that's mean, funny. That, that was my first thing though. It was like, they were clearly classic Vespas. <laughs> and so maybe somebody else just really likes Vespas, but, uh, I, you know. I saw them as fancy food processors. Oh yeah. Okay. Like Fair enough. Yeah. 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 I, I see what you're saying. Those, um, the like the the kitchen appliances too that are all with those chrome and the the retro yeah. thing yeah and the bright colors yeah and, but and, anyway and, 
another throwback to the thing to the old series was that they appeared to have hired English actors for them, as many <laughs> original Star Wars actors were. At the very least, make some of them aliens. Don't make them all hot human teenagers. <laughs> yeah, you know that's that's a reasonable request. Throw some aliens go. in there. Thank you. At least I get something. Yes, Joel, I also agree with you. That was the slowest car chase to the point <laughs> of comedy. Um, didn't like that. Not sure what that was meant to show, but hey. Well, the other thing is my my understanding is almost all of this and The Mandalorian are shot in this really enclosed set with a bunch of screens that project the backgrounds and, and what's going on around them. I, I don't... I, Maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration, but I think scenes like that would have largely been filmed in a sort of stationary chase and, and they make it look more like the the actual chase. The people on the vehicles are just sitting still and mm. everything is is happening around them on the screen. So but the, the actors can see it and then they, they composite it a bit better in the final product. But mm. it's all very fancy green screen, I think. They film it the way that the Planet Express ship engine operates in that, you know, like the the it, the ship doesn't move. It moves the entire universe around the ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I see what exactly. you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's go to episode four. Chapter four, The Gathering Storm, directed by Kevin Tancherian and written by John Favreau. It came out on January 19th. Boba Fett's in his back to tank, and now he's uh, getting closer to the present day. He finds Fennec Shand, and he takes her to the people who will eventually be his gang, who uh, mod her up and, and save her from her gut wound from the Mandalorian. And then uh, in, in payment, the, he gets her to help him break into Jabba's palace so he can steal his ship back. They get the ship. They kill the the biker gang that he thinks killed the Tuscan uh uh or the sand people. It killed his 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 tribe. Why are you having and, so much trouble with that? Sorry, you I just call was, them Tuscans, I, you can call them sand people, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I just just I had a momentary brain fart where I was like, is that what they're called? Tuscans? There's too many aliens in this. Uh, then they go to try and get his armor out of the uh, Sarlacc pit in an awkward scene. Uh, they It turns out after digging through the Sarlacc's corpse, they can't find the armor. And that I guess that leads into uh, the Mandalorian season. Uh, in the present, uh, Boba Fett comes out of the back to tank and he's all healed. No more back to tank flashbacks for him. He goes to the bar that he's been hanging out a lot and black chrysanthemum is there and beats up a bunch of Trandoshans. And he's like, Hey, why don't you come work for me, buddy? And he says, okay. And they all come back as one big happy family. The other gangs of Mos Espa come to Jabba's palace and Boba Fett asks them to not work with the Pike syndicate and just stay neutral when the war comes. And uh, Fennec says, we're going to need an army. And Boba Fett's like, I've got some ideas about that. And that's how the episode ends. Uh, 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 Boba Fett does not have the idea. <laughs> this is a running theme. Boba <laughs> Fett stands around going, huh? And Fennec tells him, we need people. He goes, and then he goes, hmm. And she says, do you have money? And he goes, yeah, I, I guess. And she says, okay, we can hire people for money. <laughs> and then we hear the Mandalorian theme. And then the Mandalorian theme plays. And as soon as you hear that, that is it like that? I want to say it's a didgeridoo. It's some kind of wooden flute. 
as soon as you hear that, it's like, thank God. Oh, I can't wait to see what happens next week. <laughs> okay, before we get to that, we got to finish this. Yeah, uh, yeah. Of- I, overall, really liked this episode. I think it was like, it's so clearly docked into the Mandalorian. He finds Fennec's body from when that, like, the dumb kid from the first season shot her. Uh, like, it, it helps us figure out where we are. They do a lot of cool stuff. The attack on the palace is great. Seeing the, uh, I guess we're just going to call it the fire spray gunship now. Seeing Wait, that I, again. I, well, I, I, did, Graham, you mentioned that before. What, what, what name change? Yeah, so Boba Fett's ship, it, it still is, but it has always been in canon referred to. The name of the ship is Slave One. Yeah. And Disney doesn't like that word slave. Oh, of course. Right. They don't like Slave Leia. They don't like Slave One. It's, uh, they're like, they do. And so like a lot of times, like when the toy gets sold, a lot of times it's the fire spray gunship or Boba Fett's ship. They don't like using that word. Um, and, but they, they dance around that perfectly fine in this episode. It was great to see it again. That's a cool ship. It was, they very deliberately have the ship involved with the Sarlacc. So they have an excuse to drop the seismic charge from episode two and make that cool sound effect. That was great. Fennec is cool and badass and knowing that how like how did she survive a, a blaster shot to the chest and being abandoned in the desert well they gave it a really cool reason they had Boba Fett drag her to the cyborg parlor and now she's got cool robot parts instead of guts that makes her character even cooler again all the cool stuff in this sort of happens around Boba Fett <laughs> which is a shame uh, but I, but yeah, I like this one. This was exciting and interesting. The only time I yelled at the screen was when he asked the crime. He politely asked the crime families to stay neutral in the conflict, which was a curious way to phrase it, coming from what's supposed to be like the Star Wars Godfather. But okay, we are establishing that Boba Fett doesn't really want to be a crime lord. He wants to be a good guy. So I'll, I, I will buy it, even though I, I. Don't understand why anybody thought that would work. It's classic Machiavelli. <laughs> and that okay, you know, elaborate. Well, because there's the the whole thing, right? Is what kind of leader do you are you, and or is it better to be a feared ruler, or is it better to be a loved ruler? And um, I think the ultimate like point is it depends on the situation, so you have to play to your audience. Um, yes, exactly. Where he lands and on your that. So, are crime families saying, right. look, you go to them and you say, look, I'm going to be polite. You know, don't take all this money and don't work with the way stronger guy. Just promise me you'll hang out. I don't see any reason why you wouldn't do that. Yeah. Shocker later on, spoilers, they all turn against him because that's dumb. And Fennec has to go clean up his mess again. But all right. He's trying to be a good guy. He just hasn't figured out. He hasn't figured out the balance between carrot and stick yet. I guess. See, once again, I did not think for a second that he believed that they would not betray him. Then shoot them. He hoped <laughs> feed, them the feed them to the rancor. Feed them to the rancor. We didn't even uh, talk did about that when we got yet? the rancor. Anyway, in this case. I just what a waste of a scene. Like, again, Boba Fett being powerless and accomplishing nothing. Um. But other than that, like the like the attack on the palace and breaking into the hangar and stealing the ship, that's the kind of grit that was called for. I liked that. And a lot of this episode was like that. So mostly thumbs up. 
the one part of this episode that really left me scratching my head was like when they flew the fire spray gunship, like basically into the Sarlacc pit while they're looking for his armor. I was like, what are you trying to accomplish here? Like, how is this going to work? It's like, you know, you want to find your, like your dog swallows your diamond ring. You don't just like put a diver's helmet on and like stick your whole face in there. It's not going to do anything. I just didn't well, understand I mean, what the thought process the, was. Maybe maybe he was just making sure that it w- like, you know, before you go nuts and start digging up your backyard or whatever, you want to see if maybe it's just on top first. Right? That's, you know. I, why not? I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's a minor it, it was a hard sell. I did have to do some gymnastics to accept the scene. I got there because, you know, <laughs> Why wouldn't you look? Yes, before I'm going to unscrew the the bottom of my sink, I'm going to look down and see if I can get the thing I drop <laughs> easily. Um, yeah, but it gave and us if the, the sink just the... if the sink just like is legendary for eating and devouring people over a thousand years, I'm not going to lean my face right over it. Right, I'm going to stay in a, a cool spaceship with big guns. Yes, yeah, so. Well, I love the sound effects though of of that ship. Like the, the I love the the guns, uh, the lasers. The I mean, yes, the seismic charges, but the lasers even like uh, when it takes off, the engine noises. Like the, that was another thing with the whole series was it was like a lovely sound, nostalgic soundscape. Yeah, I mean the sound in Star Wars has always been one of the best parts of it. Yeah, the it, Ben Bird sort of soundscape yeah. is just yeah, mm-hmm. and you can hear. It's one of those things. Like if I hear, like, chances are, if I hear a laser, I know it's a laser weapon. But I could tell you a Star Wars laser weapon. I could tell you if that's a Tie Fighter shooting or an ATAT shooting or the Slave One shooting. Like I know what those sounds are. They're all so distinct and so cool. They put a lot of effort into that. Mm-hmm. And then there's the part where Black Chrysanthemum is drunk at the bar, and then he he seemingly unprovoked attacks the Trandoshans and like and and is almost talked down from hurting this one guy, but then rips his arm off because arms are the easiest thing to remove in the Star Wars universe. But uh, when I was watching, my wife was like, "Well, why did she? Why did he?" fight those guys like what had they done she was confused by it and the show doesn't give you any reason to like like there's no reason you need to be on his side it could just be an insane thing but i i know from the lore that the trandoshans like enslaved wookies right i, I don't hunt. know if that's still canon not even slave they hunt mm. and kill and collect the belts right yeah, and I, in episode in episode one uh trandoshan comes to give uh, uh tribute to boba fett and it has what looks like a wookie pelt that he presents to him so so there is stuff uh seated there but it might have been nice if it had been a bit more explicit why he had this burning hatred for the trandoshans i got ma- a lot of mr wharf vibes from um chrysanthemum I I don't know. There was just something about him. I really liked him. I like his eyes. Like the the yeah. eyes were so expressive. Yeah. Then then with Chewie, like whatever the the maybe it was time or the costume or whatever. But I really liked seeing um, the expression a lot more. I thought there was a lot more facial expression with him. I guess that's just modern technology. Yeah. Fair. All right. We are hemorrhaging time, but we've got to mm. move on. And, okay. Uh, yeah. Basically, moving on to another show. 
Chapter 5, Return of the Mandalorian, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard and uh, written by John Favreau. It came out on January 26. Our hero, the Mandalorian, goes and finds these dog people, and uh, he's going for a bounty from one of them. He uses the Darksaber to, to save the day and like kill a bunch of them and accidentally cuts his own leg. But he takes off his bounty's head and brings it back to this person who tells him where a couple other Mandalorians are. He goes and talks with them and uh, learns more about the history of the Darksaber, gets into a fight, gets embarrassed by the armorer who also before the embarrassment gave him uh, some armor for Grogu, the baby Yoda from the other series. Then he goes back to Tatooine. He he has to take like uh, a commercial flight back to Tatooine because his ship, the what is it called? The Razor Crest was destroyed in the last season. And he goes to meet Amy Sedaris, uh, who has got a new ship ready for him. And it's uh, it looks like a ship from from um, Phantom Menace. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, then Fennec Shand is like, hey, you want to help us uh, help Boba Fett? And he says, sure, but I got to go find Grogu first. This I mean, you can't tell me you didn't notice a huge change in quality, a huge change in style, a huge, like, like, let's be clear. This was an episode of The Mandalorian. Boba Fett does not appear in this episode. Fennec Shand appears right at the end. This was an episode of The Mandalorian, and I loved it, and it's great, and I, like, these are the characters I want to spend more time with, and... As, as, and on then, and even though I'm kind of dumping on Boba Fett, I sort of feel bad for him because why was this in his show? Uh, well, I guess it just is a matter of perspective, right? Like we all went in expecting this to be the Boba Fett show, and the title tells us it's the Boba Fett show, but really it's more like uh, you know Boba Fett and Fennec Shand and Mandalorian. It's like Mandalorian season two and a half. It's it's. If I can use my cake analogy again, it's when I talk about it as icing. Like if you have a whole cake of icing, it doesn't work. You need – it's sort of this complementary to the rest of it. And and that's why – like normally when you bring in another character from another show to completely just do the episode, I get annoyed by that. But this time it didn't annoy me because I guess these people can do no wrong in my eyes. <laughs> but – but also it just didn't feel the same because I, I, I always kind of looked at it, at this as that 2.5 almost to, to a certain extent. And it all serves to kind of build foundation or add foundation to the Mandalorian. I 100% agree with that. And I'm 100% okay with it because I love the Mandalorian. But... <laughs> I mean, do, am I wrong for feeling like a little sad for Boba Fett? Yeah, that, yeah, like, you are. He got his own show after all this time. <laughs> all right, I get. No, no, no. You're, you're not. You're, you're, you're not. No, that, that. You, you. All of your point. I, I, yes, absolutely. I just, I decide that this doesn't bother me. <laughs> I'll sit down and be like, yes. yes. I, I, but I've decided to overlook that. I I am with you. I, I think the fact that this is all by the same people, it's all, it's, you know, we get one year, we get Mandalorian season one, the next year, Mandalorian season two, they announced this. And I think at first I thought this would be something that would be a sister show to the Mandalorian, but they were like, this is coming out. And then there's not going to be Mandalorian 
for another year, right? Like, I think that's still the plan. We're, we're still a year out from more Mandalorians. And it's all the same people involved. So I really didn't have a problem with it just being season three of the Mandalorian with a different title and Mandalorian only showing up halfway through. Uh, I, I, I don't know. It it just didn't bother me the way it Yeah, see, true. I don't believe for a moment that you wouldn't be furious if there had been two seasons of an X-Men show, and then they announced The Wolverine. And we watched four episodes of The Wolverine, <laughs> and then they just cut back to Cyclops and Colossus and Storm. That's fair. I and I, you would be furious. That's fair. But I, I just don't have that same emotional investment in this as I do with the X-Men. So I, I'm just saying my perspective... On this. That's all I can do. I'm just looking for, am I crazy or is that an incredibly strange decision to make? I mean, I can't. I don't know if those are mutually exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're right. It, it is. It's unusual, but I didn't mind it in this case. And neither did I, really. I had a great time with this episode. Uh, it was great to see Mando again. It was great to get more Mandalorian lore. They drop a ton of foreshadowing. Like Mando, Mando now has a side quest he has to do on Mandalore to rejoin like his super orthodox Mandalorian cult. We get a hint from the armorer about a prophecy that Mandalore is going to be saved by the Mythosaur, which is the symbol on Boba Fett's armor. And we're like, oh, okay, I can see where this is going. We get more dark saber stuff. And then we go back to Tatooine and we get Peli back, who's hilarious and a blast. And they spend a long time focusing and building him his cool new hot rod, which is based oh, off yeah. of the, the Naboo N1 Starfighter. Um, oh, yeah. Man, like, cool looking ship. Not my favorite Starfighter, at least like when it's in the canary yellow, but damn, his cool hot rod version of it in the like in the chrome with the American graffiti engine sticking out of the top and stuff. That is a cool looking ship. They bring back what's his name from they bring back Appa from Kim's Convenience to do a quick funny thing. Like like oh, he's up there in the X Wing again, just following Mando's adventures. Like it was exactly the Mandalorian I wanted. It was a lot of fun. Just weird that it happened in Boba Fett. I'm I'm really curious what they're going to do with this ship. I, I kind of like that they didn't just, you know, he, they blew up the Razor Crest and it could have been, they could have pulled the Defiant, right? Like the Defiant blows up in Deep Space Nine spoilers. And then, you know, uh, two episodes later, the Defiant is back. One. Yeah, yeah with Paolo. a different carpet. And they just rename uh, it the, the Defiant. Sa- and the it's like Sao nothing Paolo. had changed. Right. In this one, it's like, well, he can't, can he still bounty hunt? He doesn't have the room to carry people anymore, right? Like he's. Yeah, it's a ship for a completely different purpose. And, and, you know, if he is going to get Grogu back, dot, 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 uh, where's he going to put him? You know, there's a lot of questions if that, that, that this ship, uh, gives us. But man, the sounds. The sounds the are sound great. of that was so good. And I loved flying through Beggar's Canyon. And the that was a nice touch. Going through, and you see the same the little broken fence that Anakin broke that they with his pod racer when he goes around the corner. That I guess nobody's cleaned up in the last twenty years, but it was there. <laughs> yeah, um, you see the Womp Rats in Beggars Canyon because of oh, course, because yeah. right, we have yeah. to do that because it's Star Wars and it <laughs> rhymes. So, <laughs> yep, yep, it's that rhyming they're always talking about. And I mean, it gives you a good example of what exactly you are bullseyeing. 
as a sociopath child growing up on a desert planet. <laughs> Look, man, farmers have to deal with vermin. Like that's a oh, real yeah, thing. No. You, 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 you have a, yeah, that's like that. It's, it's sad from a Disney perspective, but rabbits, dogs, even deer are like, you got like, that's why farmers have shotguns. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on. Episode six. Uh, again, kind of a different show, but please. From the Desert Comes a Stranger. This one was uh, directed by Dave Filoni and written by Dave Filoni and John Favreau. It came out on February 2nd. Uh, it begins with Cobb Vanth, the uh, marshal of Freetown, or Mos Pelgos, who uh, defends his town from some Pike uh, Syndicate Spice Runners. Then we cut to Jin Jarin going to uh, Forest World to look for Grogu. He's met by R2-D2 and is told to just like hang out and he watches his temple get built. Then Ahsoka Tano shows up and uh, tells him that I uh, can't see Grogu because it'll mess Grogu up in his training. And uh, the Mandalorian is like, but please, I've got this cool little shirt for him. And she's like, eh see what i can do but no promises and then there's a bunch of stuff with luke training grogu and uh then there uh, the mandalorian goes back and he decides uh he, he goes back to tatooine and tells boba fett that he can help him get this army he goes to find cobb vanth and cobb is not too keen on helping out but he'll give it a shot mandalorian leaves and then uh he is uh Cobb is taken out by Cad Bane, a cool looking character from the animated series who is live action for the first time oh, ever. So good. So and, cool. Uh, the two things happen at the end of the episode. The bar that uh, Boba Fett has been frequenting is blown up by a bomb dropped off by the Pike syndicate. And then we cut back to the planet with uh, Luke and uh, baby Yoda. And he is, given a choice he either can take the chainmail and go back to the mandalorian or he can take the lightsaber and continue his jedi training but he can't do both cliffhanger so this was an episode of star wars yes like, no boba fett's no mandalorians no return of the rising this was just star wars it was r2d2 and luke effing skywalker <laughs> and jedi stuff like learn like what the force and what it means the order 66 flashback which they just spent way too much money on because it looked amazing it did oh. look really good like for for this, just a part of this episode they took these side story shows and they rammed it straight into mainstream like like if you think of like what you know the theater star wars like the main storyline and it was right in there and I'm, I'm very happy about that. I also take a look back if you have a chance, like the the de aging or CG on Luke, like Return of the Jedi. Luke has actually come a long way, even since season two of Mandalorian. Like they've really they hired up. the guy from YouTube. They did end up oh, hiring yeah. that guy. That, yeah, okay. I, I I I've heard. That I haven't independently verified it. Uh, but he, the the fellow, was listed as as working for Disney. Um, I heard him, yeah, because they, they Disney is smart about that stuff. Like, and, and yeah, it was night and day. And then if you go back and look at that last scene of um, uh, in in Mandalorian with Luke, you're like, hey, 
like this actually looked like Mark Hamill. <laughs> yeah, and, and there was more. And life. It was a lot of it. Like it wasn't just like he sort of shows up and leaves. This this was an episode of a Star Wars TV show featuring Luke Skywalker looking exactly like he did in 1982, like and sounding exactly like he did in 1982. This was this was such a treat. And I mean, we could do an entire podcast on, oh, thank God they've established that Ahsoka met Luke. And can you imagine that conversation? And of course, they're not going to do it on screen because it's always going to be better in your head. But the things they have to talk about, right? To just, just Ahsoka, Ahsoka Tano, we saw her in season two of Mando, and she's a huge character in all the prequel cartoons because she was Anakin Skywalker's Padawan. She was his best friend, and, and that whole relationship develops, and they do meet again after he becomes Darth Vader in Star Wars Rebels. It's one of the most emotional arcs in all of canon Star Wars, and now she's there to meet his son. And I got like even the little touches. She doesn't call him Master Skywalker, right? Because Master Skywalker was someone else to her. She calls him Master Luke. Hmm. Like nice. so many little things to help with that breathe so much emotion, so much canon history invested in it. So for the giant Star Wars nerds, there's a ton to drool over all this episode in this episode. And for the people who are just watching casually, this was still a lot of fun. It was still really interesting. It was still really well put together. This was great. Again, nothing to do with Boba Fett, <laughs> but it was great. Now, do you think that Luke and Ahsoka had that conversation? Because I wasn't think I, I didn't really, I didn't feel like they had. I mean, she tells Mando all flippantly that she's a friend of the family. Like, mm-hmm. she, she would have had to establish to Luke who she was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, I mean, as a survivor or a, of of order 66 because she left the, the Jedi order maybe, but like, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe she hasn't told him that um she was actually anakin's like like they were bffs um, i can't that was, i mean there's no evidence one way or the other but i can't no. stomach that idea i can't, <laughs> I, can't I refuse to accept it <laughs> like that has to be a conversation that happens it also helps in that case one of the things we were complaining about about the sequel trilogy back in the day is that luke has a lot of prequel knowledge like he refers to the emperor as darth sidious it's like, where would he mm-hmm. have heard that name? How would that Holocron. even have come up? Uh, like, what what holocons were recorded about Darth Sidious? Like, nobody read, knew who he, he nobody knew he who he was Chuck until Mace exactly. Windu and like the Red Shirts went to go arrest him. And that went well. <laughs> like, anyway, it doesn't matter. That's a, a thing, yeah. and we're like, this podcast is going to be so long. Um, <laughs> there's no, okay. there's no, no way one way or the other to know that they had that conversation. But even the fact that they're together means a lot. And also, I yes. hope they had that conversation. And I and and just for what I liked about it too, as the episode in general was again the the building of of uh, and and the foreshadowing to Luke's mistake. Like he's sort of going through that same. He's still in that Jedi choice, no attachment, light and dark. Not that sort of combination that he'd sort of gotten to at the end. By the time we run into him in. Uh, um, in the sequel, whatever yeah, movie still, it was, he's still, yeah. he's still remaking the mistake of the of the old Jedi. He hasn't yeah. learned, it. yeah, exactly. But giving him that choice, 
it took me a second to to realize that when I was watching. I was watching it and I was like, oh, Luke, don't do this. This is so crappy of you to do to make him choose between being a Jedi and being with his, his you know, surrogate father. And then, you know, when I thought about it, I, I appreciated that they were going to that length to show that this is just a step towards the sequels where Luke is paying for the mistakes of trying to bring back the Jedi order and not learning from the mistakes of the Jedi order. And Ahsoka is just like helping him along and on that path. Uh, one of the common complaints on the internet about this episode that I saw was Luke's voice. And uh, apparently the way the voice was created was the, the a sound guy took all of uh, Mark Hamill's ADR from the original series of movies and his voice from a, a audio book recording that he did. And then they just like made this digital voice library. And people, once they heard that, were like, oh, well, no wonder he sounds so robotic. But I never felt that watching it. I watched the episode twice. And the second time I really tried to listen for it. And to me, it just sounds like Luke Skywalker doing his best to be a serene Jedi the way he thinks it should be in his head. That's yeah, the, how it the, reads to me. Me too. Mm-hmm. The reason he sounds kind of like monotone is because he sees himself as a teacher. He's lecturing. He's not sitting down having drinks. Like he's always like, you know, he's being the master. Yeah. That, yeah I had no problem with the voice at all. That's, that's nitpicky even for me. So I, I got to ask you guys, uh, since you're deeper um, Star Wars fans of the new stuff than I am, what is the deal with Cad Bane? Oh, he's just a really good. Oh, jeez. He's the Boba Fett of the prequels. He's the like he's he's in it for the credits, and he'll take any job for money. And that usually has him like getting into shootouts with Jedi Knights and doing bad stuff. And sometimes he's hired by Darth Sidious, and sometimes he's out on his own. And he was sort of he's part of like he's he's a bad guy and a rival to our heroes for a while. Um, when young Boba Fett is coming into his own, he's part. Cad Bane is part of like the group of bounty hunters who are like, not quite raising him but sort of like keeping an eye on him. Yeah, he did. He was sort of like a, not a mentor per se, but he kind of showed him a little bit of the bounty hunter ropes. And, and, and uh, as we see in the next episode, uh, like they bring that to such a good close. Yeah. I will talk about it more with the next episode, but I wish they had done way more with Cad Bane. Oh, Hundred percent, and but the way and the way that they introduced him, like even before, like right when he was just that character, as soon as you saw the hat, hat, and (laughs) and even without the hat, I what I noticed first was, um, it was it was the way his um coat was blowing for, and then I saw the hat, but it was like there there whatever it was, there was no question within the first like frame that he's on there that it's Cad Bane, and it was such a oh, it was so good. Uh, this is all Clone Wars comics, um, Bad Batch, a lot of the prequels, a lot of the prequel side story stuff. Fun character, great voice actor. All right, we got to keep rolling. Chapter seven, In the Name of Honor, back to Robert Rodriguez directing John Favreau as the writer, and it was released February 9th, uh, today as we're recording. Boba Fett knows bad stuff is happening, so he has his various, his crew hanging out all over Mos Espa, ready for trouble. R2-D2 shows up at uh, Pelimato's hangar and has brought... Uh, Grogu in the X-Wing and Grogu's got his chainmail on the, the shirt that the Mandalorian had made for him. 
there is i mean the the majority of the episode is a big fight with everyone i, I can't i'm not going to go into all of the details but there's a big fight there's giant droids that show up and and start devastating everyone uh it, at, when things look their worst the mandalorian or sorry boba fett rides in on the rancor and uh it is amazing just watching him destroy stuff uh, that Cad Bane and Boba Fett end up having a a face off, and Cad Bane is uh, about to win. He he's still faster than Boba Fett. He's a better shot. And then Boba Fett, then this is where I think the Tuscan Raider stuff pays off a little bit. He uses the Tuscan Gaffy stick he made to defeat Cad Bane, and he stabs him in the chest. Although I think there's a shot where it's sort of he's lying in the ground and something's beeping on him it's like yeah. he's got a life alert or something he'll be back <laughs> life <laughs> alert, yeah <laughs> i've fallen and i can't get up <laughs> so uh everyone lives happily ever after mandalorian flies away with grogu in the uh phantom menace ship and after the credits we see that Cobb Vanth is in the back to tank, Boba Fett's back to tank, and is getting repaired by the uh, mechanic guy. He's being turned into a cyborg like Fennec Shan. Fun episode. Very action-y. A um, lot of tropes. A lot of like, oh, everything looks hopeless, but uh, though this guy you thought was dead is actually not, and he saves the day for just long enough for everything to look hopeless again. But now these people you thought were dead are actually okay. Like There's a lot of like, okay, I, you know, I get it. Some of it was awesome. Like Boba Fett riding the Rancor was the one thing I wasn't able to predict. Mm. Um, it does sort of make you think like the same place he went to go get the Rancor also had the gunship, which arguably would have been more useful. But rule of cool. That was Bo- cool. Yeah. Yeah. Boba Fett riding a Rancor. That's great. And I got to say that it must be an intentional callback to his first appearance in the animated sequence in the. Uh, holiday special where Boba Fett first appears mm-hmm. riding some other giant thingy. Uh, there was a, like, there were a lot of like a lot rule of cool ruled here. There's a lot of like, he's running from the, the super droidicas, the Scorpinex and he runs into Pelly. who's, Oh, Hey Mando. Good to see you. Guess it's like, she doesn't know that the town is under attack <laughs> except there are giant droids and explosions and lasers. Like, you know, things like that. If you stop and think about it for a second, a lot of what happens doesn't make any sense, but it's fun, Star Wars, pew, pew, pew. Uh, so if you, you can learn to let that go, then everything is fine. Uh, you know, the like the Rancor versus the Scorponek was basically Pacific Rim. That was a blast to watch. I'm, I'm like, oh, God, when they finally, finally, I have been complaining this whole show that Boba Fett hasn't it doesn't have any finally he goes and kicks ass when he mm-hmm. and mando are, are jump jetting out of sanctuary and they're flitting around in the air blasting pikes that's what i wanted to see in episode one that was so cool yeah very nice touch uh, a very fun ride through the whole episode lots of action lots of you know dumb stuff but but really cool stuff too and, and it was a very fun episode to just sort of turn your brain off and follow the action along um yeah, not much to save. Uh, once again, Fennec ends up having sort of the most important role. She saves our our teenage biker gang at one point and on her way to go kill all of the people who had betrayed Boba Fett, which happens yeah, at the it, end of the episode. It turns out sending Fennec just to kill the leaders of the Pikes, that was an option the entire time. <laughs> yeah, could have <laughs> finished the series off a lot earlier. Yeah, <laughs> but that's but OK, that's fine. 
I also enjoy that the writers got to this episode and said, oh, wait, Luke can't bring Grogu back to Tatooine or Luke is going to go all Jedi on this situation right. <laughs> and solve it. So, so it just makes Luke look like even more of a jerk than he yeah, already so, did. So Luke Amazon Prime's Grogu back to Tatooine. It's kind of like... Like, like, it all works. Yes, we know R2 could fly the X-Wing on his own. We know that Grogu is comfortable with... Like, it It, it follows, but it, it's it's a weird scene when you think about... How did that go? Like, Lucas put this baby in the cockpit and was like, Okay, R2, fly him back to the desert planet. What's that, R2? <laughs> Seatbelt? No, don't worry about it. He'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it was a little strange. It's fine, but it's a little strange. I was actually... Expecting um, instead of the rancor, which I yeah, I, I, that was the, the rule of cool and why and why they went with that. I kind of was thinking R two was going to come in with the X wing because I was thinking yeah yeah, yeah like what to get through those too. shields like an X wing or or at the very least his uh, N one, but like a, a starfighter lasers could go through like would be able to probably beat that or some protons, but uh, no, he had the 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 riding in which was great. I thought the episode was paced pretty well too, because it was, it was essentially a lot of action, but I didn't feel like it kind of, I didn't feel like it was dragging. I I checked the time like twice throughout it just to see where we were. Cause I don't know, maybe halfway through, I felt like a lot had happened and that they could be wrapping up, but it was only halfway through. And for me, that's a good, that means that I've enjoyed the episode. Yeah, no, I enjoyed this one for sure. It, um, yeah, it, it chickens come home to roost. The heroes come over it again. A little tropey. There was a lot of suspense moments, you know, like oh god, I think that's oh that's that's definitely it. They're definitely dead now. Like that happened like four times, and you're just yeah. going off your checklist on who's off camera to swoop in at the last <laughs> second. Yeah, because uh, I thought I did not expect to see Chrysanthem, Chrysanthem again. I keep wanting to call him Chrysanthemum. Um, I, <laughs> I did mean, not you expect knew, him to come back. You but. knew the Power Rangers were going to make it, of course. Uh, that yes. got wrapped up real quick. Uh, you knew that the town, like Marshall or no Marshall, was going to come help. That was never up for debate. That's not how writing works. Like it was, it was a lot of fun right to the end. I do want to hit, especially because we have to wrap up soon. But I do want to hit. This is the end of the book of Boba Fett, and the next thing that's happening in terms of Star Wars TV is going to be Mando Season 3. Mandalorian Season 2 ended on this huge emotional moment where Mando and Grogu were separated. And then they're separated for four episodes of another show, and now they're back together again already. And at the start of Mando Season 3, it's like, we're all back to normal. Grogu's back, there's their cool team again, everything's fine. I sort of feel like that is taking some of the weight away from what could have been a cooler thing. Is that is that is that too much? Is that just me? Are you guys are totally cool with that? I I just I, I'm having a hard time saying. I, I know what you mean. It's like it would be like you know, the end of a movie, the, you know, parent and child being separated. And at the beginning of the next movie, they're, they're reunited almost immediately. It's like, it takes a lot of the emotional heft out of it, but it's hard for me to judge it without seeing where they're going. So I want to wait and see. And and so far this whole franchise, this whole era of star Wars TV seems very well constructed. And it seems 
fairly well planned out. So I kind of want to see where that's going. I believe in Favreau. I believe in Filoni. You know, they seem to have a good head on their shoulders. So I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But I, and, and that was, to me, it was almost like you could almost look at the, at the, at part of this series as doing that. Like if it's as that sort of 2.5, that it's not, it's like a little sub sub genre. It's the, or it's the, um, the footnotes of the, of, of the main story. And, um, and that's sort of what we're getting with, with this. So I, I kind of like that they got that out of the way because then when we get to the Mandalorian, we don't have to, if they're doing, you know, the seven or eight or whatever episodes they do, we don't have to spend two or three of them sorting this out. It's already done and they can, you know, now if, if season three starts with, they all of a sudden have a new razor crest and it's like, Oh God, glad we got that back. And then they're back in the razor crest back with Grogu. I'll be like, okay, all right. That was, that was one step too far for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess everything I've said over the last hour and a half, like a lot of my complaints aren't that big a deal. I did enjoy this show. I think I would have been able to enjoy it more if they just called it like, you know, Star Wars, The Mandalorian, season 2.5, guest starring Boba Fett. And Fennec um, Shand. <laughs> yeah, I guess guest starring Fennec Shand and her buddy Featuring, Boba Fett. Yeah, special <laughs> appearance by Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like, I mean, I'm not one of those people. I'm not a big Boba Fett guy, but a lot of people love Boba Fett. And I feel like some of the disappointment in this show that's circulating on the internet is because people want still want Boba Fett to have his own show and I didn't really get that I liked I mean I did like how they how they wrapped it up at the end and 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 yeah he he's not the character that that I imagined when I first saw him in Empire Strikes Back and and it is definitely a clean slate and I also feel like almost they can do more um with it and that this to go back to that hero myth thing that George Lucas likes. There, there was that scene at the end was the death of the bounty hunter Boba Fett, and um, because he didn't need him anymore, and we're moving into this whole new rich tapestry of uh, of stories. There's a lot you can do in Tatooine, and wouldn't that have been so much more clearly communicated if they did way more with Cad Bane? Cad Bane is everything that Boba Fett doesn't want to be anymore. He's this ruthless, like moralless, just, you know, gunman killer for hire. And yeah. you get some of that in the final showdown between his last ah, I knew you were a killer. And it's like, yeah, but you were only here for, you know, 20 minutes. Like, imagine if the entire show was torn, like, if we had Boba Fett on the one hand doing all this stuff and hanging out at Sanctuary and trying to be a good guy, but on the other hand, Cad Bane being on his ass, being like, no, you're not a good guy, you're Boba Fett. If they had spent more time on something like that, more time with Boba Fett, and Cad Bane is the perfect foil for that, I would have loved for this show to be that show. I think there's so much cooler to explore there. Like we said, looks pretty clear that they can bring Cad Bane back if they want. So maybe that's going to happen later. That real that is actually a really good point. And now that you've said, like, I really would love to see a story where he's the main, where he's the antagonist, where Cad Bane yes, is see? not this ancillary hiring person. Like he actually he's has the antagonist, beef. and Boba Fett is the protagonist. Like that yeah. works. 
and you can t- still tie that into the whole redemption from Bobby, from Bobby Hunter, from Bounty Hunter, um, in the same way because he represents the old life and taught him how to be a bounty hunter potentially. Ooh. Exactly. Uh, in any case, uh, we are well over time, and I'm sure we still will be even after I do the some story editing. of my life. Yeah, it's just we just love Star Wars that much. There's a lot to say. Um, and that, uh, and that's exactly why we asked you on the show, Joel, is to help us with that. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for keeping Graham and me from each other's throats. <laughs> and thank you for, uh, for that, uh, that extra bit of perspective I think we needed to stay calm. Well, thank you for having me. It always, it always is a blast. While we're giving out thanks, I always want to thank Oliver Wickham, guy behind our theme songs, a music producer, has lots of cool stuff on Spotify. Please check him out. And also want to thank you, uh, the audience, the folks at home, the folks who write in, uh, the folks who just use us to make their morning walk a little less arduous. Um, It is a blast doing this, and uh, it is good to know that you enjoy hearing it. So, uh, hey, lots to say about Book of Boba Fett. If we missed some Easter eggs, if we missed some little things, if you have other things to argue about why you think the show was better or worse, we'd love to keep that conversation going. Graham, how can they get that stuff to us? Please email us at geektop5 at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash geektop5, and we're on Twitter at geektop5. You can also go to our website, geektop5.com, and there's comment boards under every episode. And please also go to your podcatcher of choice and rate and review us. Those ratings and reviews make a huge difference to us. I mean, both in terms of actually getting the reviews, but it also gives us some metrics that we can use to make the show better for you. So please, it would be... It would mean a lot to us and make the show a better place. Star Wars, The Book of Boba Fett uh, is available now on Disney Plus and draws a ton of stuff from Star Wars expanded lore. Not even necessarily legends of the new stuff too. Comic books, cartoons, video games, you name it. Plenty enough to keep you busy until we have a chance to do this again. Until then, I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. This has been Geek Top 5 and we'll talk to you again next week. Is the Rancor the same baby Rancor that um, we saw uh, in um, Bad Batch? I don't know. I mean, that like that might also just be the the like the Rancor from Jedi. You mean the dead no. one? The dead one? Yeah, Bad Batch oh, happens right oh. after prequels. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought oh, you meant the one. Oh, understood. Oh, yes, you're right. You're right. You're Man, right. Am I the only one on this podcast who watched Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen all the cartoons. Yes. Yes, and I would like to now use this segue to talk about Dr. Catherine Pulaski. <laughs> <laughs>